You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Well, as we uh, begin the season of Lent tonight, we're going to finish looking at Acts chapter 2. We were able to cover uh, the bulk of that this past Sunday when we were together. And we saw that on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Uh, he empowered the apostles. Peter then preached a sermon, and 3,000 souls were added to their number. 3,000 men and women entered into the kingdom of God that day. Chapter 2 ends with a glimpse at what it looks like for this early church, uh, these 3,120 Christians, to live together as the church in Jerusalem. So I invite you to listen with open ears to this book that we love, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. During Lent, we take stock of things. We will return to the dust, as the ashes remind us that we'll receive in a little while. Our mortality uh, is a consequence of sin, of our rebellion against God. And so we use these 40 days of preparation for Easter to pursue repentance and faith. As we talked about on Sunday, when we hear the gospel, when we hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, we're meant to respond. Scripture is not only informational, it's transformational. And it's a fatal habit to consume God's word as information without also seeking the Holy Spirit's transformation in our lives. So tonight, as we see this early church living in response to the gospel, let's use this as an opportunity to examine ourselves, uh, to pursue repentance for the ways that we fall short of doing the same in our own lives and in our own church family. For what might we pursue repentance this Lent when it comes to the church? The end of Acts 2 suggests multiple areas for our consideration. First, this Lent, we can repent for nominalism. Nominalism. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves. So we should repent for our half-hearted devotion, for wanting just a, just a, little, a little bit, just a dash of Jesus. His benefits and gifts, perhaps, but, but not offering our whole lives, our whole selves to him. Just a few verses earlier, after Peter's Pentecost sermon, these men and women are cut to the heart. They're moved to sincere and deep repentance. And they say, brothers, what shall we do? There's a hunger there. There's devotion. There's a desire to respond faithfully. And they're saying to the apostles, tell us now how to live in light of what Jesus has done, and we will do that. So let us respond with that same hunger. Likewise, in verse 43, we read, Awe came upon every soul. Is there awe in your soul tonight? Does the person of Jesus, does the work of Jesus continue to astonish you? 
This awe in our soul fuels wholehearted devotion. And our wholehearted devotion fuels more and more awe. The most godly people I know, and I'm sure many of you would say the same, the most godly people I know are those who have never gotten over how scandalous and how incredible the work of Christ is. Second, this Lent we can pursue repentance for individualism. Individualism. It's way too easy for us to be hyper-individualistic in the Christian life. To start with self, to start with the individual, and then selectively enter into community in the places that we'd like to. In the Eastern world, actually in the first century Mediterranean world, when this was written, it was the other way around. Your identity came first and foremost through the community, through your family, and then from there moved out into the individual. These early followers devote themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, but it says to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which probably includes both the Lord's Supper as well as regular meals together. There's a true sense of doing life together. It says day by day this is happening, not just once a week and then see you next week. There's both formal and informal gathering together in fellowship. As we read there in verse 46, these early Christians attend the temple together and they gather in homes. Does that characterize your life in this Christian community? Do you know and spend time with people here outside of worship gatherings, outside of the formal times together? Are you pursuing common time with one another? Then as it says in verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And this isn't, as some would make the case, this isn't communism, it's community. It's community. Uh, There's no forced or compulsory selling of possessions. There's no forced giving of money. It's voluntary. It's an extension of wholehearted devotion. It's out of the overflow of their hearts that they give. There was still individual ownership. They were breaking bread in their homes, so at least some of them owned their own homes and used them hospitably, welcoming others into them. Now, you and I don't live in the same culture, and we don't live in the same few square miles altogether. So we take that into account when we flesh out what this looks like in our time and place. But at a minimum, it means sacrificial generosity beyond what most of us are comfortable with, beyond what most of us experience in our, in our day and age. Sharing what we have with those in need. It means taking a personal interest and a personal responsibility in the community, not just looking to ourselves and our own needs, but to the needs of others. So wherever you're inclined to start with self and insert yourself into the community, flip that around. Start with the community of the church, of the people of God. See how your life finds its meaning and purpose because you are part of the people that Jesus has purified for himself. So there's nominalism, there's individualism. Third, we can pursue repentance for thanklessness. Thanklessness or ingratitude. As verse 46 recalls, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. We so quickly gravitate from appreciation to expectation from thankfulness to entitlement. We assume and presume the gifts and blessings of being God's people, and then we focus all of our attention and all our energy on the things that aren't great, the things that we think should be better and perhaps even should be better. But that makes us discontent instead of grateful. If you have a Bible 
which I think all of us do. If you don't, we've got one for you to take home with you tonight. If you can make your way here each week to worship the one true God, and you can do that freely without the threat of death or persecution, you're actually doing better, far better, than most followers of Christ throughout the world and throughout the generations. Not to mention the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Is joy. The Spirit of God cultivates gladness and generosity in our hearts. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, draws out praise and gratitude to God. Fourth, we can pursue repentance this Lent for being cul-de-sacs, not conduits. I'm stealing that phrase from, I'm pretty sure, John Piper. I couldn't confirm that. Someone smarter than me came up with that phrase. But in other words, we're content to let God's work terminate on us rather than flow through us. On Pentecost, the church grew by 3,000, 25-fold increase. Jesus had said that through the Spirit, his disciples would do greater works than he himself had done. These are at least some of, of those greater works. And in this amazing, miraculous growth and in this incredible taste of community life together, it would have been understandable if the church became a cul-de-sac, a place to only pursue depth with each other. But that's not what happened. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so evangelism and conversions were everyday normal realities. They were not seasonal or programmatic initiatives. They were just the extension of their lives of devotion, their lives of community, their lives of gratitude. And this picture is incredible to me, and it's also so compelling. Somehow, these 3,100 Christians were able to pursue both depth and breadth. They sought and experienced deep, loving relationships with the people that were already there among them, while constantly keeping an open seat for the next man, for the next woman, for the next child whom Jesus would call to himself. May that be said of us, depth and breadth, conduits of the work of God, not cul-de-sacs. And then finally, and perhaps most importantly, this Lent we can, we can repent of romanticism for romanticizing passages like Acts chapter 2, for romanticizing the early church. These verses are beautiful and compelling, and they are to me, I hope they are to you, and they're completely accurate. This is Luke the historian recounting the experience of this early church. But if this is all you read of the New Testament, it can give you a picture of the early church that fails to account for the turmoil and the conflict and the fights that were playing out at the very same time. As has always been the case, the real church is full of real people with real problems, with real sin. And so romanticism is at least as poisonous, if not worse, than nominalism and individualism and thanklessness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial, he goes on to write, God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. And God knows the church, capital C Church of Jesus Christ, and this church, our church, fall so short of the ideal. Our relationships with one another are not what they should be. Our zeal, our devotion, 
is not what they should be, nor our gratitude or our generosity, nor our experience of the Lord adding to our number those who are being saved. But if we can't find a real church of real people to pursue all of this with, if we can't put our roots down and pursue Christ together with other men and women and children in the body of Christ and do that for the long haul, then where does the problem really lie? Friends, if the church is never good enough, then the problem is in the mirror. The problem is in our own hearts. I love how Charles Spurgeon put it. He said, If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. And he goes on to write, Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. It is for us and people like us that Jesus came into this world. It is for us and people like us that Jesus gathers into his church. So let us look to him this Lent. Let us cherish the church this Lent. Let us repent of the ways that we fall short of being the church that we've called, we're called to be through the finished work of Jesus. But in that very same breath, let us thank God that means there really is a place for us in this church. It is for us, while we were yet sinners, Jesus came into the world to offer his salvation. Amen. We pray for us. Lord God, eternal and almighty Father, we praise you tonight for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through whom we have received forgiveness and eternal life. Grant us, therefore, our gracious Father, the grace to observe a holy Lent, that by self-examination and repentance, by prayer and fasting and self-denial, by reading and meditating on your holy word, Grant that we would remember that though we are dust and that to dust we shall return, we truly have been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.